Welcome everyone to the Midwest Scrubcast, a podcast about X-Wing the Miniatures game. Brought to you by four members of the St. Louis Arch Alliance community who really like to talk about X-Wing, which you may have noticed if you've ever read our blog, Confessions of a Midwest Scrub. With our podcast format, we're really excited to take some deeper, more conversational dives into our topics. We're not trying to make an X-Wing newscast because that's been well covered and well done by other podcasts in the community. What we hope is to take those interesting chats that happen over the X-Wing table or in the car on the way to or from a tournament and bring them forward to the community in a way that's both insightful and entertaining. We will still be blogging weekly, but we'll also try to be releasing podcast episodes every other week. And without further ado, let's introduce the members of the podcast. First off, we have the Midwest Scrub himself, Daniel Peterson. Hello. Second, we have the token female, Emily Rastel. Hello. Yes, there is a girl in this podcast. And uh, next, we have our resident salt monster, Clint Hewson. Hello. And back to the man who started you off, we have the Iron Man, Matt Carey. Hello there. Well, now let's get to know each host a little bit better. We're going to all introduce ourselves and let us know why we're here. And why we're what we're all about. Uh, first, we're going to start off with Dan. Hi, I'm Dan Peterson. Hello, Hi. Dan. I have been an X-wing scrub for about three and a half years, and I consider myself a scrub because, uh, well, largely because of self-imposed limitations in squad building. Um, I started playing Thweek immediately after he was released in first edition and fell in love with High Initiative Star Vipers, and just won't play anything else now. So even if Guri isn't any good, I just keep playing her. Um, other issue that I have is, for whatever reason, in tournament games, periodically, my mind simply blanks, and I do incredibly boneheaded things. Hi, I'm Emily. Hello, Hi, Emily. I've been an X-Wing scrub for 1.66 years. Um, I started just um, just early enough into first edition to get used to it, and then to resent having to turn around and learn second edition again. I consider myself a scrub because, well, multiple reasons. One being that I just don't have the patience and stamina to learn how to be really good at this game. Um, like, I really enjoy it, but I, I don't have the, the stamina levels that Iron Man Matt Carey has, and I just, I can't quite execute. I also have an, an underdog problem where I just really want to play ships that nobody else is playing. So, you know, I'm just stuck on things like the Ozatuck gunship. And I, I can't move past it. It's, it's really, really difficult for me to move past the Alphatog gunship. I just keep going back over and over and over again. Um, so yes, that's, um, that's an overview of my scrubhood. Hi, I'm Clint. Hello, Hi, Clint. Clint. I've been an X-Wing scrub for also 1.66 years. Started February 19th of 2018. Um, and I consider myself a scrub because I'm salty. And that causes me to lose games. I can't let small mistakes that I have made go. 
It's not generally about uh, dice variance that makes me mad. Occasionally it does, but mostly I just get angry with myself for making one small mistake, and that leads me into intentionally, kind of subconsciously, kind of not subconsciously, making more bad decisions, which my opponents can just jump on and destroy me. So, there you have it. Hi, I'm Matt Terry. Hi, Hi Matt. Um, I'm not an, not an X-Wing scrub. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a sponsor for these scrubs that are here <laughs> with me. Uh, I, I'm... I'm a recovered scrub, I'll say that. You know, I uh, I did have some of the self-imposed restrictions and wouldn't fly if something if it was a meta. And I started um, back when Wave 12 of First Edition came out, just just like three days or three or four days before that. And I had some of those self-imposed restriction things, but then I uh, I didn't fly the meta. I never flew anything that had a name. No Nimrandas, no Ghost Fens, but I would take pieces of it and didn't have problems with it. Once I got over that and then also started listening to other people, I got a lot better and I seem to have done pretty well for myself. Now that we've had a chance to uh, describe ourselves and our scrubitudes, or rather your guys' selves and your scrubitudes. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, now we can all talk about uh, how you guys can get over your scrubbiness, uh, scrub off your scrubbiness, perhaps. Scrub, scrub off scrubbiness. Uh, nice. I, again, we'll just start with Dan again because it uh, seems like a good starting point. They keep going in order. So, with the two issues that I tend to struggle with, I I find myself in a bit of a quandary because, on the one hand, what I can do to make less boneheaded mistakes is practice the same thing that I have been playing and practice it again and again, which is typically where I fall. On the other hand, the self-imposed restrictions and limitations that I place on myself lend me to not actually jump around like that. Um, so with that being said, I am open for suggestions. Any thoughts? So it sounds like you are very dedicated to playing the Star Viper. Yes. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay to fly what you like. You know, like, that is that is good. So I think it's more about accepting the limitations of that. You know, like, you if, you, if what you like is one ship, that's only going to get you so far, and you're going to notice the... The those times that you screw up, it's gonna be just it's just gonna just feel even more obvious because you you're just doing the same thing. You Practiced know, and played over again and, and over again. And over. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I mean I I love the Star Viper too. You know that mm -hmm. uh, specifically Gurry, but uh, the uh, holding yourself too scum, particularly right now, is a really big. Uh, hold back because the whole faction is a little weak at the moment. So that's going to hamper you in the first place. I do. And then also, I think mostly for second edition, you've played a lot of just aces. Yeah. I and, have. Uh, granted, I don't know if there's any good options for not aces in scum. But see, not aces is just so not fun. I get you. I understand. When I first met you, you were flying, what, Talonbane, 
thin and it's weak. And it's weak. So yeah, that's uh, you're you're doing scum aces. So I get it, and I I understand ace play. I love ace play, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it may sound like sacrilege, but play something that doesn't have Gertie for once. <laughs> Which would mean try not scum is yeah. essentially what yeah. you're saying. I, yeah, yeah, I, I not necessarily, but yes, that also has a has a little little bit to do with it. It would it would help for you to expand it broaden your horizons. But perhaps, you know, you could fly it. I mean to her. the other thing that comes into that though is I am a competitive player. And unfortunately, due to time restrictions, I get about one night a week that I can play. And so then trying to find something else that I want to play in between tournaments and actually have time to get good at it and do well with it is very problematic. Yeah, that's understandable. You could always play Jedi. I could. (laughs) Yes. And that's probably the real answer. Another part of your issue is you expect your opponents to be better than they are a lot of times, or just know what Gurry's doing. You play Gurry all the time, and you play against the same people all the time here in St. Louis, and we all know what you're going to do with Gurry, but when you're at a tournament with other people, they're not going to know how you play Gurry. So you might be able to sneak by and get uh, maneuvers off that you don't think you can get around here better somewhere else. So a part of that is I need to get better at reading my opponents as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. If you can if you can pay attention to reading, you know, whether your opponent does or doesn't expect what Gurry can do, you know, if they seem surprised when she's doing things, then you know, okay, I can get away with this and this, and I don't have to overthink or overplan what I'm doing because they're just going to do the obvious thing, and then I will just agree, and then we'll all be fine. Right. Fair. Yeah, like you you were saying in that recent tournament where Maul shot at you twice, and you told the guy after the match, he was like, that's the first time anybody shot at Gurry with Maul. In a tournament. In a a tournament. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But uh, when you're somewhere along that match, you had to realize, you know, with any match, you you get to a point where you realize that this person is not going to predict at all where Gurry's going to be. Yeah, like you said, reading your opponent, maybe maybe that is what you can scrub away. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it for me. Uh, token female? Um, yeah. So, my... Part of my problem, I think, is the... The sort of hard limit I have of how much time I have to play X-Wing. You know, like, I, my thing is, like, I've always been a person who has broad interests in a lot of things, but not deep interests. Like, I've always had had trouble with not being able to, like, to dive deep into things. Um, so I think that while that continues to be a facet of my personality, um, and while I continue to be busy with other things in my life that aren't X-Wing, I think there's going to be a natural upper bound on what I can achieve um, in that sense. I think that the list building phase is where I have room to improve. 
And like, realistically, I know that given that I don't have just hours and hours and hours to practice lists and make Wookiees good, since I don't have hours to do that, I know that the answer really needs to be just fly what's good and fly what's a little easier. Um, the difficulty then becomes that, you know, like when Rebel Beef was happening, I didn't want to fly Rebel Beef because it was just way too straightforward. And prominent. Yes, yes. Way too straightforward, way too, way too popular. Um, it was everywhere. Um, so I, I like to have something that has a little bit of, you know, a little bit of repositioning, a little bit of a little more strategy to it than just point guns at things and shoot. Um, and during the sort of first hyperspace season, I actually thought I had a pretty good solution there, which was to just fly resistance and fly um, the resistance I-5s, you know, the 2X and 2As. And actually, I felt like that was a pretty good solution. I was decent with it, um, and it has... It has some flexibility. It's not just a boring list. And then I hit the points change in July. And all of a sudden, my resistance aces didn't have a bid anymore because Lula went up. And, and resistance just felt, felt less good somehow. They just felt a little less powerful. I just felt like maybe partly it was the Lula point increase, but it just in general, it started feeling less powerful. And so then I just just lost all focus from there and just started playing with Ozatux again and Baby Wookiee! <laughs> Baby Wookiee! <laughs> and uh and yeah. And I'm I'm actually right now at the point where I might just turn around and, and go back and try to do the resistance fives again. I think that would be actually be a, a solid choice because I think one of the problems that happened at that point was I remember you playing at that one hyperspace trial in Paducah or Murray, Kentucky, and you were flying well. And then that next week is when they added more stuff to the to the hyperspace list, which is where Rebel Beef came out, and Rebel Beef just was super strong and oppressive on a lot of lists. And then also in Extended, if you were playing in Extended, you came across across Quad Phantoms, which was also oppressive to a lot of lists. With both of those out of the meta now, I feel like uh, the Resistance 5s might be a way to go again. Even without a bid, um, it's still three I or 4 I5s and... Uh, I liked the version that you had the other day that had, was it Corsella? No. No, it had Covino. with the transport. Cova instead of one. Yeah. I think I think that's worth continuing to look into, but maybe not. I don't know what your experience was with it. But. Yeah. I mean, Cova might be worthwhile looking into, but by the same token, you do have a lot of experience with the Resistance 5s, and T-70s are solid. Mm -hmm. Man, T-70s are... Tanks. Uh, I've said this a couple different times, but T-70s, they take an hour and a half to burn down, and they only have an hour and 15 minutes. So, they're it's just, if they have a focus, and they get any paint, and they have heroic for when they don't, they just, man. 
Take forever. Take forever. It's amazing what one extra health can do. Certainly. One extra shield, specifically, that is important. Yeah, and some, like, the better reposition, better dial. Mm -hmm. And heroic. Heroic does its part as well. It definitely does. Now, upon, like, watching your games, I notice a lot of times, and we've talked about this before, that you, I think, you don't think about all your options. You get a little uh, a tunnel vision on on things, and you forget actions a lot, or you forget what all of your options are. Right. Tunnel vision is another one of my core personality traits, actually. <laughs> so that's another one I struggle with, for sure, is... Um, and that, that again speaks to sort of that, that upper limitation of my play style, which is that I'm not like, I'm not a chess player, you know, like, I feel like a lot of the best X-Wing players approach it in a chess sort of way where they're looking at all of the possible options. They're planning multiple moves ahead. Um, they're, they're constantly, you know, and or just constantly being able to, to stay in the moment and keep that big picture of the overall game. Mm -hmm. And that, that is absolutely a thing that I struggle with. And um, I'm not exactly sure, because the whole tunnel vision thing is a core personality trait, I'm not exactly sure how to not do that as much, other than maybe if I, you know... If I can, if I can just stick with a with a single list, that would help too. If I can just stick with yeah. a find a yeah. list to stick with, um, and just practice that over and over and over again, so you remember all the triggers to, and so yes, on and so forth. Because remembering triggers is definitely a challenge. Yeah. yeah. Yep, that's fair. So I guess is there a point, and I I suppose that this probably goes for you and I more than any of the the four people at this table. Mm -hmm. Is there a point that you simply accept that these are my limitations and it is what it is and I'm happy with it? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that, and that is, that is the, the conversation I've been having with myself, you know, off and on and off and on ever since I started playing X-Wing is, mm -hmm. you know, at, at what point do I just accept, you know, that these are my limitations? And, you know, maybe that's part of being a scrub is just understanding that you will always be a scrub and, uh, you know, and that you're, you just have to try to have fun um, while still being a scrub. And yeah. for, for competitive people, that it's is difficult. difficult. Yep. Yep. But there is a reason that it, over a year ago I named the blog Confessions of a Midwest Scrub. Right. Clint? Um, so, how to combat saltiness. Uh, <laughs> so, I've actually come up with a couple different methods. I want for a very brief period, I tried listening to music, uh, but that just distracted me from the game. The problem is, I can't walk away for a minute or two. There's no timeouts in X-Wing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'll do a lot of times uh, when we're at home playing video games. I'll just either quit playing the game, or I will just take a break for a few minutes and then come back. Because a lot of times in the game, you and I had a game like this the other day. I got angry about one turn, but about, and it was awkward and, you know, whatever for about three minutes, but then I started coming back around and I made a joke or something and the mood came back. But other than not being able to take a break, I don't have a lot of things to do to fight the just inner anger that comes with my family. I'm actually better than most of them. 
Uh, what? Well, you have been exploring recently, trying to find different ways to make yourself laugh in the moment. That is, that is true. Uh, there's, there's a couple different memes that, uh, <laughs> uh, repeating so that I'll, I'll laugh if something happens and I, and I feel that, that kind of anger rising, uh, that I'll start singing Seagull Stop It Now. Yeah. That was, that was my strategy for the combating stream nerves uh, originally that, uh, I, I think I've gotten over stream nerves because, uh, particularly Dion has put me on stream enough to where I've gotten to, uh, deal with that. So I, I just, it just feels like normal games to me now, but, uh, up until that Murray final where you guys saw me singing Seagull Stop It Now to myself and just giggling like an idiot. And for anyone who doesn't know what that is, definitely 100%, if you're a Star Wars fan, go to YouTube and search for Seagull's Stop It Now. You will die laughing. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> anyway, so, and you know, you and I have come up with a, a couple other jokes to get your mind out of it, but, um, I don't know, uh, one of my things that whenever I notice that uh, I'm getting angry at dice or, you know, variances starting, I know, I, I know majority of yourself comes from being angry at your own mistakes, but, but, I, but, but, but you, you well. do get angry at dice. Uh, and we all, we all kind of do, but, uh, you know, uh, tournament a couple months ago, uh, fellow Arch Alliance member Mark Myers and I were sitting next to each other getting terrible dice variants and we called ourselves Salt Squadron because we just sat there and kept getting bad dice results and uh, so we were getting salty and salty and I think one of my best ways to combat it is to name it like just recognize that you are doing it you're like I, I admit to my opponent that I'm sorry, I'm getting very upset about my dice right now, and I'm just, it, you know, I just want to let you know that, you know, it's like, a, it, it's, not only does that kind of excuse, like, if your attitude is getting worse, you know, it, it helps for that, because then your opponent doesn't feel as awkward, because I, that's, I think that's a lot of the worst thing, is uh, I'm making the experience for my opponent bad. Yeah. Because yeah, either I'm winning a game, and I'm having a good time, and they're not having a good time, because I'm playing Jedi and they're not getting to shoot me. Um, or, I'm not winning the game, and I'm angry, and my opponent can't really have a good time because it's just an awkward vibe in the air because I've stepped off the salt monster. Yeah. So I, I, I think naming, or just kind of just speaking, or you don't even have to speak it out loud, but just admitting to yourself that, hey, this is the reason why I'm angry. I think it just as a general rule as life, but also in the game helps a lot that, yeah. hey, I'm upset, I'm upset, and this is the reason why. And I, I do agree that there would it would be very worthwhile even to say it out loud and to say it to your opponent to let them know that it's not them. Because times that I've been playing against, not necessarily you, but other people who've gotten angry in the middle of the game, it is hugely detrimental to my enjoyment of the game. Um, and then the times that they've said, hey, I'm sorry for my attitude, I don't mean to be this way, blah blah blah, whatever, it helps a lot. And will probably even help you quite a bit. I'm sure. 
Yeah, emotional regulation is just hard. Like life in general, like not just X-wing. Like emotional yeah. regulation is hard. Like I, I'm not as bad as Mr. Salt Monster over here, but I do have, you know, I do have difficulty maintaining my, um, my spirit of positivity um, when things are going against me, either you know, variance sure. or or my own uh, skill level. Yeah, everybody so, does. Yeah, I think I think it's more about. It's not so much about preventing that because I think expecting expecting to prevent your emotions is is pretty much outside of the realm of possibility. Yeah. It's more about management. about disrupting management, disruption, emotional that kind mitigation. Of stuff. <laughs> yes, mitigation is <laughs> another good word. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah. All good. All good suggestions for all of us salt monsters out there because I'm not the only one. Indeed. Not by a long shot. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, Mr. Carey, as a recovering scrub, do you have any tips for people in general of ways to improve at the game? Um, I I'll, I guess I'll speak something to in general that uh, I know the three of you have some restrictions on you. Dan, you primarily just play scum. Uh, Clint, you're pretty hard on Republic right now, but you stick to the R factions, Republic, Resistance, Rebels, Emily, Republic, Resistance, Rebels. Mm -hmm. uh, I know this requires money, but you could also just borrow, fly other things, fly, I mean, in this, I, I think this goes for everybody. See if you can build a list and borrow it, so, so to speak. I mean, like right now, I am, I've, Clint, I've been playing against your list with uh, droids and Nantex just because you want that experience, but I also get experience flying as it because I learn the tricks much, much better flying as it. So uh, you, you learn so much more about the game when you, when you fly other lists. You learn the weakness. I think it's the best way to learn the weakness of a list is to fly as that list. And that's, I get the opportunity to do it because I have bought into every faction, as harmful to my pocketbook as that is. Um, I mean, I know that we're, none of us here are made out of money, so I wouldn't say that, you know, you should have to buy into another faction. But Dan, I know you have a first order conversion kit that has just dust Never on been it. touched. Has Never been it. touched. So, uh, because I, I know you were thinking about potentially Supernatural Kylo at the time, because yep. it's kind of a similar aesthetic to Guri, you know, mm -hmm. where you can be... Feels similar. similar. Now, I said when Von Reg comes out, that's yeah. going to be a lot of fun to play with It's going to be tempting I'm to play Von Reg and Kylo. I'm going to be looking to borrow someone's Kylo and maybe yeah. just buy a Kylo myself yeah. and Von Reg, and that's all. Yeah, because Blackout is nice, but just not nice enough. You know, yeah. but it he just doesn't quite manage to pull his weight somehow. Yeah, and oh man, Von Rake's dial, it's a I'm a little partial to the TIE Advanced right now, uh, TIE Advanced V1, and it is just a slightly better TIE Advanced V1 dial, which is fantastic. Incredible. So maybe, you know, when, when those come around, you know, branch out a little bit. I'm, I'm a resource. Uh, I have I will have everything, you know, yeah. and then also there's the, the whole community here in uh, St. Louis is fantastic and they would have no problem letting you give something a run. Yeah, my my first jump into a different faction, 
outside of Rebels was I borrowed Fang Fighters from Dan here just because I ended up having to play them in uh, oh, Outrider. And I was like, that was that was fun. Yeah. So can I borrow some Fang Fighters and start playing Fen a little bit and then like aces are kind of fun. I'm I guess I'm tired of flying rebels and pointing my ships at things and one forward to victory. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so then I started trying out different things. And, and I had your ships for a couple of weeks before finally I was like, Oh, here's these back, by the way. Yeah. You were you were you had made a fairly strong rebel list that I liked and it, it won a lot. But it was it was just one forward to victory on rebels, and now that you have started flying aces, you started with what the three Jedi. I started with the three Jedi uh, without seven D or yeah. uh, calibrated laser targeting because back then CLT was too expensive. Yeah, far too expensive. So I was just playing Anakin, Obi Wan, and Plo with afterburners. They all had R two droids, and I learned how to play extremely cagey. Learned how to just not rush in, uh, positioning, thinking ahead of maneuver or two, and it really just changed the entire style of, of gameplay that I did. I actually did pretty well at a few tournaments, and oftentimes all I did was took half points on someone's ship and lost no point myself, to the point where <laughs> I made a couple people rage quit. Yeah. And it, the, the funny thing about that was watching one guy <laughs> talking about rage quitting to your list and then Marcel Manzano talking about one shotting yes. like two different ships of yours. <laughs> back to back. Back it, to it back. Ten minute, it, I went I went I made one person rage quit and, you know, two hundred owed him because he, he quit the game and then the very next game I pair up against Marcel and he gets torpedoes off and just one shots and again and then one shots blow and I'm like, Okay, this is it, so Marcel and this guy are talking to each other about the same person, the same person that he's like, oh, well, I flew against Jedi. It was, it was all right. I, I just completely destroyed him. And then the other guy's talking back. He's like, I flew against Jedi, and I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so like you expanding beyond your uh, what you were used to, just the, the four-ship rebel, you, you moved into a new faction, probably because of the love of Jedi's just in lore, probably. Oh, Clone Wars. Oh, absolutely. Has, and I, it, I grew up with the prequels. Uh, yeah, and it brought out a whole new style of play. It made you a better player just in general. I assume you understand aces better now. I, I do understand aces a lot better. They're they're actually semi-predictable, uh, a lot of them, except for Guri, of course, and I'm playing Jedi, so they're not as predictable because of the stress-free double reposition. It's a pretty easy ace to jump on if you've never played aces, or, or if you're trying to learn aces, Jedi are a really easy transition. Would not recommend jumping in and playing Guri in a tournament straight away. Oh no, I, I, I want to play Guri, but I don't have a year to practice Guri to actually get decent with it. Yeah. yeah. So regarding talking about flying Jedis lately, I assume that's what you're going to be taking to the uh, hyperspace trial that we're going to in the middle of Illinois. Yeah, uh, I've been playing Anakin and Obi-Wan for, I don't know, four months or so now. Um, I jumped on the Jedi as soon as they came out, but after I got over not wanting to play 7B Jedi and just kind of gave into it, I jumped on... <laughs> I assume them getting cheaper also helped that decision as well. Yes, yeah, the their changing of, of the points actually came after I started playing Anakin and Obi-Wan, and I used to play uh, Obi-Wan with 
supernatural, but Anakin went up in points, Obi-Wan went down in points, but it came out to where it was too expensive for where I like it. So what I'm currently playing is uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan, they both have 7B, they both have R2 droids, and they both have the spare parts canister because that is gives them basically three extra health if you have the chance to actually take the action to re regenerate the regen droid. Uh, and I'm sitting at a ridiculous bid, which is kind of just a point castle that I can run around with with my half-point Jedi. Yeah, I know you and I discussed uh, sense. I had sense. sense on both of them at one point in time, but largely I never got to use it. The only the only point of having sense is for Obi Wan against I sixes. But either I kind of know what they're going to do, or think I know what they're going to do, uh, or I don't think the one reposition or two repositions after that is as important as having just more points. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely, and it it just seems like. Sense is better for uh, knowing where your blockers are going to be, and you don't have any blockers in this list. You have no. Anakin and Obi. So, and I was starting to play around with the the precog on Obi Wan, which I thought was kind of fun, but I didn't really get to use it very often in the couple games that I tried it, and I'm still considering maybe using that because I have a lot of points to play with. So either I'm just going to throw sense on Obi Wan or precog. Something. I'm not really sure. Again, leaving it blank, not so much for a bid, because obviously you already are pretty deep with, you know, even putting a force talent on there, but leaving it off just gives you that much more, like you said, points fortress. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I've been using it like that a little bit lately. Uh, you know, kind of cramming one of my Jedi in there and letting them take the hits and then. The other one kind of mops up, yeah. and while the other one runs away with even just half health, it still has 32 points stacked on top of that's half health. Yeah, so when you have lost Obi-Wan, and mm -hmm. you have lost half of Anakin, how many points do you still have on the board? I believe 72. That's kind Something of ridiculous. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, when I, I we call those Razor's Edge lists in St. Louis where it's like you have two ships and if one blows up you are severely underpowered at that point. So if you make a wrong decision, you're screwed. You're screwed. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get which a little is, you get a little more forgiveness with regen, but yeah, yeah, which is part of the uh, you know the saltiness thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I make a mistake. I know I screwed up. If I had thought ahead or or been a little more cautious or just kind of seen the obvious move, then uh, I would be, I'd be in a better position. Um, I'm perfectly fine with trading Obi-Wan for even vaguely a, about the you know, same amount of points. I'm not okay with running in there and, and shooting my opponent and completely either whipping out or they natty out on defense, and then I lose my ship because they just natty out on offense and I whip. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, well, I basically can't win this game now. It's It's very hard to win the game at that point if I lose one of my ships and not get something for a return. Yeah. Well, uh, Emily, what do you do? You have what you're taking solidified to the uh, hyperspace truck? Well, as I was discussing earlier, um, it probably is going to end up being the, the fives, the four fives, um, because I I did get a lot of playtime with it. Of course, I'm kind of rusty now because I've spent so much time distracted by. 
you know, um, baby Wookiees and, uh, you know, T-65s and whatever else I was trying to do, E-Wings. I would love to get some E-Wings on the board, but, you know, Rebels. Um, They're and, not hyperspace legal anyways, right? Uh, oh, that's they true. Not. They're not relevant for hyperspace anyway. So, yeah, so that doesn't matter for, for this particular hyperspace trial. But, but yes, I... I will probably go with the with the four fives. The thing with I was playing with that Kova, that list that um, subbed out Elo for Kova for Kova now and Kova. You can't fit Leia on there, um, but what you can fit is Pattern Analyzer and R four, which means that you can either one hard to your heart's content, or you can basically get your bonus dice every other. And if you if you time it out right, you know, so that you you are having the red dice on the most helpful turn. And that that actually was part of the difficulty was, you know, the first few games I played with it, I was like, I would be like, oh, why did I do a red maneuver that turn? I should have waited and done the red maneuver the next turn so that I would have my dice then and then clear the next time and it would have been better, you know. So on the one hand, that that was a little hard to manage. Like COVID doesn't feel as powerful without Leia, obviously. For sure. Um, she's she's reasonably solid, but she's not. She's not as crazy powerful as she is with Leia on her. Um, and I just, I haven't been able to quite get into the groove of of this style. It's like, I thought it was going to be cool. Like, I thought I was going to be like, yeah, this will be, this will be kind of nice to have one kind of tanky ship just kind of sitting in the middle doing stuff while my three maneuverable aces are, you know, running around on the outside. And maybe there's still some viability to that, but I was having trouble dialing in to that to that play style, and I I kind of am missing that that place I was I was getting I was getting to the point of being comfortable with that four aces sort of thing, four maneuverable ship yeah. kind of thing. I was getting comfortable with that, and I think I kind of miss it. Like as much as as much fun as Koba is to fly, I think um, that I need to get. Um, Remember how to ride the the bike of uh, of resistance four fives, fives. Resistance fives yeah. um, um, and go that direction. Yeah, that seems a solid choice, and it is a solid list. And I, I, like I said, without those two other boogeymen running around, it is a strong. It's a strong list again. You know, mm-hmm. the um, I'm not saying, you know, try this now, but try it, you know, maybe after the hyperspace. Uh, try subbing out Kova with one of the other A-Wings. Cause, I also strongly okay. consider that. I also strongly consider throwing Greer in there instead of... Yeah, Greer, Greer is one of the best that, you know, was a sleeper hit, and mm-hmm. we didn't know until... Uh, what's... Until Lulo's points. Lulo, Lulo yeah. point, mm-hmm. one up in points, and then now we have understood why Greer was more expensive than Tally at the start of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, when, when it first started. She's super good. Because she's super great. I think it might be even a there, she. I think it's a she. Oh, it a she? Yeah, oh. I could be wrong. Uh, but then... There's yeah. yeah. And th- then there's also uh, Zari Bangle, which is mm-hmm. the one that can, uh, when even when you don't complete your maneuver, can take an action. So okay. I think both of those are worthy choices. And, like, since they're a lower initiative, they could actually be a decent blocker. Right. You know, or like with uh, with Zari with intimidation. You know, it's like you could either put yourself in the way and have somebody run into you, or you could run into them and mm-hmm. lower their agility for the rest of the list. And you then, still get an action. 
it's still an A-wing, so it's still as maneuverable as the other A-wings that you're used to flying. But mm-hmm. sure, yes, and so so yeah, that is so. Elo in the, in the original four fives list, Elo is absolutely the weak link because he's predictable and he's he's kind of expensive for a thing that's ultimately just going to run in there and die at mm-hmm. some point. Like that that was what I would find was happening was Elo would just be sort of the bait and yeah. um and he would die and then I would have to try to mop up with um with the other three. Um and so I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to go away from Elo and over to another A-wing. I'm a little what I'm afraid of is losing the losing the attack dice, losing the you know yeah. because the difference between two dice and three dice, I mean I granted I can put optics on Greer, yeah. um, which makes it more okay, but I'm a little scared of, I, I, so I'll, I'll consider it yeah. at some point. Yeah, I, I may, tr- I may try that next. If yeah. I, if I decide that I am tired of Elo, I, yeah. I might try it. And, and again, uh, if it was, I, I'm not going to try and push this hard, but if it was Intimidation Zari, that means that your other ships hit harder. So True. when you, if you're yeah. missing Elo, because I totally agree with you, three A wings and an X wing doesn't exactly hit hard. I mean. Uh, nine or me and numb, whatever his actual however you pronounce it. Uh, will he's your heavy hitter in that list, and so is so is uh, Lulo, but uh, Lulo can get squishy if you're continually offensive. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, but yeah, maybe after this this weekend you can give that a shot. And you have any suggestions for Emily, or do you? Can we just move on to you? I think we what can just move on. Yeah, no, that's so all. Those suggestions are good. Well, I, you know, thought long and hard about it. I, I think I'm probably going to fly Gurry. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. You don't <laughs> say. <Yeah. laughs> um, so for the past month and a half or two months, I've been flying Gurry and Fenrau, um, kind of playing around with the different upgrades and finding a particular build that I enjoy. And right now I'm flying a super thick 110-point Guri, which is a blast. Um, so she has advanced sensors, of course, um, outmaneuver, afterburners, tidal, and shield upgrade. And then I also have a advanced proton torpedo on her, um, which is... The most recent upgrade that I that I added in, it's sometimes good, sometimes not. It seems, and then Finn just with Fearless. I uh, really don't quite know what to do with Finn overall. I wish he had a mod slot. Yeah, Afterburners would make him so much better. He would be wonderful with Afterburners. Yeah, as it is, he's decent. Yeah, he's he's a solid piece, but I think. Without afterburners, he's slightly overcosted. But if you yeah. had that mod slot where you could put that in there, he's at the right point because then he's he would be a monster. Yeah, he he would be a bigger threat. But there's so many times where he's like, "I'm at range two. Goodbye, everybody." Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or even at range three with the focus token and lone wolf active, just uh, roll five blanks. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah, we, I mean, that's that's <laughs> the variant. We can <laughs> that that is the way the dice game goes. Yeah. No. Um, I know we've had some discussion on what Fen's, uh, not EPT, it's no longer that, just talent, talent. should be. Yeah. Uh, you've gone through Lone Wolf. I headed the Lone Wolf, um, 
because he is so blockable and easy, well, so predictable and easily blocked, we talked about intimidation. Uh, and I considered it for a little while, and it certainly does have its merits between intimidation on Fen, getting blocked, and then outmaneuver on Guri, reducing someone's agility dice by two would be brutal. But I, I think with the two-ship list, I don't have enough confidence that Guri would actually be close enough to capitalize often enough. Um, so what I eventually came to was the passive mod of Fearless, so that if he does get blocked, he has Concordia face-off for defense, hopefully, and Fearless for offense again, hopefully. Um, the, the one particular issue with Fearless is that it can encourage you to stay range one in arc of opponents, which... Of anyone in the game, Fen Rao is happiest to do that, of Very course. Mm-hmm. But even with that, it's often not a good call. Because he has four hole and no shields and can just explode. Um, so it's something I have to watch out for. Yeah, definitely. Uh, having flown that list recently, and I mean, I think I was I, I suggested it to you and it you yeah. I, I You was, and Clint have been trying to get me to fly it for months. I I flew it, and I was surprisingly, I mean, because, you know, we all, we all read Phil GC's blog, and, it, you know, he's he's part of our, he has my heart, because he's a he's fly scum. But he then, does. And uh, everything else. Yeah, but then, uh, so I gave it a shot, and I was surprised at how great it was. Largely, it's Gary, because she's such a blast Curry's to fly, awesome. and she can tear things apart, but uh, Fen's a good wingmate, you know? Uh, but I think right now he's better than well he's better in the meta than Boba Fett. I think Boba is probably a better ship overall. Yeah, he doesn't die as fast. He doesn't die as fast. Yeah, but with all the I six aces running around, I have to have some sort of an answer to them, and yeah. Guri is not it, unfortunately. I, I think I think that's your big problem is the yeah. answer. It, you, when you have Vader uh, around, you need you need somebody that can handle him. Yeah. When you have Anakin, I would say basically it's versions of Anakin Scar- Skywalker. Yes, you know? it is the multiple different versions of Anakin Skywalker yeah. that I have to worry about. Soon tier, less so. Um, Soon fact is a new weird quantity that I think is going to be rough for your list. I mean, yep. we just did release an article about how it's not as, it's not, despite being titled NPE, <laughs> it, it's not a Click full bait. NPE. Um, but uh, it's, it's definitely. For two ships that want to be range one, it's rough. It is that can't be range one. <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> very it's rough. rough. Uh, and to a degree, I like I'm torn about what I want from Sunfac because if he affects the meta to the place that many of the I six aces drop out, then I can go back to Boba, and it might actually be better for me yeah. overall. Yeah. I mean, you've been flying Boba Curry for a long Boba time since second edition came yes. out. Yes, or as you like to refer to it as Curry Boba. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's uh, it's uh, it's solid, and like you said, uh, but Fen also benefits that if uh, if I six is just as disappear as well, you know, sure. it's like then you don't have to. I mean, granted, you have a deep bid just because you can't add more 
I mean, to, I could, but it's pointless. There's nothing really effective. I mean, he's he is an advanced proton torpedo. He is an advanced proton and torpedo. And you'd rather yes. have a focus at range 3 rather Though, than a target lock. Or, a 6 dice range 1 attack with a hit that changes to a crit is appealing. Yeah, no, <laughs> I get it. Uh, but, uh... You have to it, play it completely differently. You yeah. Just, you have to swing by, yes. grab a target lock, and then come around on mm-hmm. your actual attack. Yeah. And that's time. You know, which I do that some anyways, but yes. is fearless primary only? I believe so. I believe so. This yeah, is noble information. Yeah, it was just a it was a, a curiosity because if you could reliably could fearless as well. Oh my god, fearless, and then turn something to a crit, and then you'd have your target lock and your focus, and it uh, it would uh, put some damage in quick. front arc primary attack primary yeah. only. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I was pretty sure. Yeah. Eh, well, yeah, it was a thought. It was a thought. Well, uh, so that seems... Uh, well, no, not quite everything, maybe. Work. Outmaneuvered, yeah. Then, do you know what you're flying at this hyperspace trial? Uh, I do not. Uh, before the podcast, I was sitting around talking about what I should fly, and it was like, uh, I don't know, because I've been flying uh, Vader Echo Psy, which only one of those is... Uh, Hyperspace. Uh, hyperspace legal. That's the word. And then, you know, my Inquisitor's list also has Jenin, who is not hyperspace legal. So I know you hate Reapers, but would you consider putting a Reaper in? It's a possibility. Cringe. But it's, <laughs> yeah, cringe is, is an accurate statement. It's just too fast for its own good. And it just doesn't get, it's, it's just not good. It's, it's Some people have success with them. Well, that's good for that. <laughs> I, I just don't... I, I think it's... I think Vermeil is good. And when you don't have access... I, I think the main thing is, is when you don't have access to a Lambda shuttle, you take a Reaper. Yeah. But in every other case, you take a Lambda shuttle. It's just that much better. It's better. It's yep. significantly better. So, I don't know. I've been outside of Empire. I've been tossing around just doing four U-Wings or... Uh, going back to Empire, just flying a crap ton of uh, the Type V one uh, Inquisitors, just that five Inquisitors with the upgrades, or I don't know. That oh, does right. sound gross. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> incredibly defensive, but I'll just yeah. be like, poking people. Yeah, like like you said, a pillow fight. I'll just be yeah. hitting them, hitting them softly, killing them softly. Killing them softly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I honestly don't know. Uh, I might take the list that I've been practicing against you with Clint. Uh, just some sort of uh, Nantex, Nantex with a bunch of droid, droid, droid yeah. support. Um, I don't want to because I don't really care. You don't for, want to be the NPE. Yeah, I. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say Nantex is a negative play experience because it's overpowered i want to say it's it's negative play experience because anytime i played against it i'm just like i'm not having fun you know it's like i can't i can't go here i've lost that agency it's like if i go here i don't get to participate i'll i'll either not get a shot or i'm there are things i cannot control about the engagement at all so i don't want to put other people in that position so I may not fly, but I might. I mean, based on your track record at other tournaments, what I would suggest for you is pick some other list, play it once before the tournament, <laughs> lose with it, 
and then take it to the tournament and just win the whole thing. It has worked for me a couple different times, like flying the Inquisitor list once and then taking action. I don't know that I've even played it before Gen Con and then just took it all the way to top two. And then Kentucky Beef at Murray. Yeah, Kentucky Beef at Murray. And played it. Boba Gurry at Gold Squadron Classic. Yeah, I, I lost once before the tournament and then just decided to win every game at the tournament. <laughs> Your magic formula is play a list once, lose with it, take it to a tournament, and win. Okay, well, I, gotta, I guess whatever I'm flying this Friday is what I'm going to be taking to the <laughs> tournament. I just got to make sure somebody beats me. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, I, I think that about covers it for the first episode of... Wait, aren't, aren't we going to spend half an hour complaining about Nantex? Uh, we can, but uh, I think we'll save that for a later podcast. <laughs> no, I think I, it's been covered. Yeah, I, I think it's been... That, that dead horse has been beaten, resurrected, killed, and then beaten again. <laughs> uh, so I think we can pass on that. May, I, I think once we get past Worlds, it's definitely worth talking to see I think that's going to be our first glimpse into how it has truly affected the meta. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. Right now, gauging by, I think you said on Liz Fortress, it hasn't, it hasn't had it. much of an impact. But There's, I mean, I think the best that it's done was the Kansas City hyperspace trial where Doug Howe won. Yeah. And uh, I think one, that's... It won one other one. Oh, did it win yes. one other? Okay. Okay. I, I don't like how we say it won one. Uh, no, oh, you, you, yeah, very fair. Doug is a fantastic And, and also, player. I mean, there's other things in that list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of, uh, not to complain, it, I'm not jumping on the complaint bandwagon, but it's when anytime I've heard people talking about it, they're just talking about the Nantex, not the complement yes. of stuff that can come no, with it. And like, oh, here's how you counter the Nantex. I'm like, yeah, but there's also a lot of points. Six droids. There's, there's the rest of the list that can do something. Yeah, well, and also, to be perfectly clear about everything as well, the Nantex can completely just implode, even worse than Fen can. And so to be able to take one single Nantex to the top of a tournament does actually take a lot of foresight and a lot of skill, and so good on Doug for doing it. Yeah. There are some caveats and corollaries to him getting there, it, but sure. uh, he's he is a fantastic but pilot. But he got there. But he <laughs> got there, and he won. Yes. And uh, also, uh, thank you, Doug, for letting me sleep on your apartment floor. That was very kind of you. I'm glad I didn't have to drive back to St. Louis. <laughs> so, um, well, uh, I believe that... Okay. Oh, well, a couple things. A couple things, though. Yeah, what were we have to say something about Warfare Weekend. Oh, definitely. Yeah, um, no, I, I was just going to say that wraps up the podcast. Oh, yes, okay. On to Fair enough. Okay, I'll let you. I'm sorry. Go back. Go, continue. So, I believe that wraps up the uh, first episode of the Midwest Scrubcast. And I said Scrubcast this time. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Uh, but before we go, we would like to plug, well, first of all, Worlds. You know, I will be there. I'm I intend to win, but uh, good luck, Matt. <laughs> who knows? Good luck, Matt. Yeah. Uh, and everybody else from Arch Alliance who's going up there. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be cool, because I, I hope to meet Phil GC. I've talked to him the one time after I won with Boba Gurry, and he was ecstatic, and it was really cool. And, uh, you know, I he's the one blog that I really appreciate beyond our own. I mean, yeah, I, like, sure. I like everybody that writes, but I... It's the one that I read, you know, mm -hmm. religiously read. Um, and I would just like to, whoever I haven't meeten, meeten? whoever I haven't moten in X-Wing yet, <laughs> I would like to uh, meet them as well. Yep. And then, uh, but yes, Warfare Weekend. Uh, details about Warfare Weekend? 
So it's going to be November 8th through 10th. There's going to be two separate day ones, one on Friday, one on Saturday, and then a final cut. Uh, top 16, I think, from both days make it into the cut, and so it'll be top 32 on Sunday. Um, Where will this be taking place? It will be in St. Louis. Wonderful. Yes, is wonderful. it is literally 15 minutes from my house. That is great. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I feel good after having to drive at hours. least three hours to the nearest hyperspace. Six hours at the most. Six hours at the most, yes. Um well, we yeah. could go farther away. We could go further, further but we we're, not we're not so to. much willing to. Uh, so the other thing that I will say, speaking uh, again of the blog, by the time this uh, this episode is released, we will have released a blog about uh, some prize support that Arch Alliance is going to be providing for Warfare Weekend as well. Arch Alliance has actually become an official sponsor of Warfare Weekend. And the first, I believe it's 150 people who pre-register for Warfare Weekend are going to be getting some additional acrylic prize support. Yeah, range ones. and Range ones and a set of four target locks. Um, So you'll have your choice of either a Warfare Weekend-themed range one ruler or a Arch Alliance-themed range one ruler, and both of them look Fantastic. I'm very partial to the Arch Alliance one because they look so They look amazing. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So in the blog that you will find that was released yesterday, if you have any questions about how to actually get signed up because the process is a little bit weird, we walk you through it every step of the way. So look that up and register. And again, that uh, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, thank you for listening to the first episode of the Midwest Scrubcast. Uh, please join us again in two weeks when we will be talking about World's Wrap-Up and everything that happened there. Hello, boy-o. Are you brainless? No, not really, no. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Hmm. Don't do that again. Many Gungans will be killed. Ah, the loser part is well seen.